Welcome to the Secrets of Confident Women podcast, where you'll learn all the best tips, tricks, and practical techniques for building the confidence levels you've always wanted. With inspiring interviews, real-life examples, and game-changing insights, this podcast is for women who know that mastering the skill of confidence is one of the most important things they'll ever do. Hello and welcome to the Secrets of Confident Women podcast. I'm Anastasia Adams and together with my business partner Jody, we run Rise Women, a business dedicated to making confidence every woman's new normal. I'm so excited to be back behind the mic interviewing incredible women again and I'm absolutely thrilled about my first interview for 2022. So today I'm really excited to be speaking with Noor Hogstad, the author of Gunfire Lullabies. Noor is a former diplomat, a political advisor and the press secretary who was posted to Jakarta and East Timor during the turbulent late 1990s. Gunfire Lullabies was her debut novel and is actually inspired by these events and her experiences whilst in East Timor and Jakarta. But like so many other incredible women that we've met throughout this podcast, Noor has bravely and confidently transitioned into an entirely new career. Noor is now a writer and a nutritional therapist. She has a ton of accreditations and certifications that would just take way too long to go through at the moment. But I did see one line on her website, which I absolutely loved, and I thought it deserved mentioning. So Noor says that through her coaching and other work, she frees her clients of the outdated beliefs, stuck emotions, and unhelpful practices that are holding them back by turning them into motivating and empowering habits, which is absolutely why we needed to have her on this podcast. So Noor Hogstad, welcome to the Secrets of Confident Women podcast. Thank you, Anastasia. It's lovely to be here and to be your first uh, person for the year, which I didn't realise. Yes, I'm very excited about that. Jodie's done a couple of interviews so far and we've had one conversation together, but you are my first for 2022, which is very exciting. So let's get started. Tell us a bit about yourself and just give us a brief rundown of what your life's journey has looked like up until this point. Okay, um, I'm first generation Australian. My parents are of Dutch background. They arrived in 1959. Yes, I have that sort of typical immigrant kind of um, experience when I was a child. Yeah, I understand that. I I have Greek background, so I get it. Yeah, at my school there were, I think, uh, 40% Italians, 20% Greeks, and then um, the other people. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so weird names and different food. (laughs) Yeah, something we've been used to from childhood, right? Exactly, but back then it wasn't quite so normal as it is now, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I grew up in, um, born and grew up in Adelaide. I left school. I didn't quite finish my trick. <laughs> I, I decided I wanted to dance, so I was following my heart, which which was great. But I got a bit sort of restless with that after a while. So I kind of spent a lot of my 20s doing different things and searching in and out of uni. I had my two children then. And then I decided I, I really needed to get a bit serious and I wanted to live overseas. I wanted to do something you know, make something of my life, do something of meaning. Now, that was my judgment at the time. So, um, and I wanted a regular income for a change um, rather than all these arty kind of things. And so, yeah, I applied to be a diplomat and surprisingly I got in. Um, Was super competitive back then. I think it still is, but, you know, a lot of different professions now offer travel or overseas living. Yeah. So, but it was different back then. Yeah, so I was with DFAT for nearly oh, nine and a half years or something like that. Wow, um, that would have been an experience. 
It was, yeah, yeah. And I, I went on exchange to New Zealand for a year while I was waiting for the Jakarta posting. And then when I got to Jakarta, everything kind of changed there. There was the East Asian economic crisis and then East Timor became, um, I guess it opened up the issue of East Timor to be solved and, and that became very um, tumultuous. Yeah. Um, and I, I covered both the kind of political changes in Jakarta and then East Timor and I worked for the UN after that for a while in different non-government organisations. Then I came back to Australia and um, I ran my own business. I worked for PwC for a while doing sort of, I thought I'd turn my writing into work, into a living. So monetize um, it. Yeah, I did sort of communications kind of stuff. And then I uh, just got a bit sick of all of that and working for other people. I became a yoga teacher and that was my way into nutritional therapy. Um, And then I added on the mindset kind of aspect, which you mentioned before, because, you know, as much as nutrition is important, if you're doing everything right, but you haven't got your mindset worked out, that can undermine your health as well. Yeah, absolutely. They just go hand in hand, don't they? They absolutely do, and I just see that all the time. And so, um, yeah, here I am running that business, and I've been writing Gunfire Lullabies for quite a while in the background as well and working on another novel. Oh, wow. What a journey. Sounds like you've had a lot of pivots, a lot of twists and turns and just lots of different really unique experiences. Yeah, and I, I mean I think the notion that we have one vocation or profession, you know, some people they know what they want to do early and, I'm so, you know, I was so envious of those people and that one thing is what they want to do for the rest of their life and in a way I think they're very lucky but on the other hand some of us aren't like that and all we have different aspects to ourselves so I need to do at least two things at any one time that's that's me. Just to give yourself Uh, a bit of diversity and balance, yeah? Yeah, balance the brain out. (laughs) I I was actually having this conversation with someone the other day, right, and and I think – coming from migrant parents, there's something in that because I remember as a child, it was all about you find what you want to do, like you said, and some people find it early and then you stick with that for your whole life. You have the same job for 40 years, job security and stability was really important. You pick a company, you're loyal to that organization or or whatever you're doing and you don't shift. Mm. You you know, that was security back then. Whereas these days, and I look at, you know, a lot of younger people in their 20s and 30s, Every year and a half or two years, they're moving on. Yeah, yeah. And I think There's it's no wonderful. Loyalty. No, yeah. I mean the loyalty aspect of it is a shame, but I think it's wonderful that they're giving themselves the opportunity to experience so much, and they realise when they've hit kind of, you know, the ceiling of how far they can go in a certain place, and then move on to something different. Yeah. Whereas yeah. I, I wasn't, you know, I feel like my experiences were a bit different. I was kind of like find a good job and stick with it. Yeah. And these days, you know, back then you'd have two or three jobs in your life. Now you have two or three careers in your life, like completely different yeah. shifts. Um, yeah. And I love that. And I think it sounds like that's exactly what you're doing now. And who knows in 10 years' time what you'll be doing then, right? Exactly. Yeah. It, that's a bit exciting. Um, so seeing yeah. as this is the Secrets of Confident Women podcast, let's start with one of our core questions, which is what does confidence or being a confident woman mean to you? I think it's being able to follow your heart, your values, your beliefs throughout your life, you know, being able to pursue choices and and options. And I guess to some extent that can mean financial independence as well. Yeah. So, yeah, being able to express who who you are authentically and not having to 
conform to what others people might expect of you, um, to, you know, to have a voice. But most of all, I think just to follow your joy. Following your joy isn't meant to be, I don't mean something hedonistic by that, I mean, you know, your true self, what, yeah. what, what brings you to life, what lights you up. What, what drives you and gives you, yeah. like you said, a, a bigger purpose. Yeah, exactly. Wonderful. So when are you the most confident version of yourself? I think probably professionally, but I, I think personally, you know, I do try and be as well. And, and as I've got older, I've got a lot more confident in that area too. But, you know, personal challenges aren't so black and white, whereas yeah. professional, you know, you're trying to be professional. So I, I think I try and bring it across the board. Um, I don't let people get away with stuff anymore, maybe <laughs> like I would have when I was younger. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there's I, a maturity the and a wisdom it. that comes with age, isn't there? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You just go, I, 20 years ago, you may have gotten away with that comment. These yeah. days, no chance. <laughs> no chance. No. And I think yeah. times have changed as well. Oh, absolutely. But, yeah. Yeah. Amazing. So as we've discussed, you're a woman who has worn so many different hats in her life. You're an author. You, I mean, I'm excited to hear that you've got a new book coming out. You've been a diplomat, a political advisor and a press secretary, and now you're a nutritional therapist and transformational coach. So from what I can see, your underlying driver for everything that you do in your life is this deep-seated need to help people, right? Whether it's in the political space or a more recent nutrition space, um, you're talking about your business. You run a business called Gutsy by Nutrition, where you offer nutritional therapy and transformation coaching to help people take control of their health and well-being. So based on the clients that you've worked with and more importantly, kind of your own personal experiences with health challenges, because I saw on your website, you, you said that you've had your own personal challenges. How closely related do you think physical and mental health are? And how do you think challenges with our physical health can actually affect our confidence? Oh, this is a this is a really important big topic, I think, and especially with so many people um, suffering from mental health issues and yeah. depression, anxiety, and those sorts of things. So it's becoming increasingly common. We could have a whole like two hour <laughs> seminar on that. Yeah. But I think that we often blame ourselves for mental health or psychological issues, and that can undermine our confidence because we believe that is who we are. But I often tell people who are suffering from those sorts of things that it's not nearly as simple as that because your physiology can be causing a big, big portion of these problems. Right. Um, and sure, we all have underlying issues, subconscious beliefs that might be negative because maybe we grew up once uh, when we were growing up and we thought love was sort of being getting negative attention from our parents. Yeah. And so... So that's our subconscious belief. It, 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 that is what love is. So that's what we seek from our relationships. So yeah, sure, we we can work on those kinds of things and and changing our beliefs uh, about ourselves and our, our behaviours around that. Yeah. But there's a lot of research now around the gut-brain connection, for example, and 90% of depression and anxiety is related to inflammation in the brain, which is systemic inflammation which often comes from issues going on in our gut, which is kind of like the driver of, of our body. But on the other hand, you can be doing everything, everything right physically yeah. and then, you know, and you've got massive stress in your life or yeah. negativity or beliefs and that can override all the good stuff you're doing with your health. So they go hand in hand, but I don't think we should be blaming ourselves or letting those kinds of things undermine our confidence. And the good thing about that is that we can do things about it. Yeah. So, yeah, I think they're, they're inextricably linked. 
but rather than letting it deteriorate the way we see ourselves, we need to know that there are actually things that we can do about it and not always blame ourselves for it. Yeah, not just internalise it. It's incredible, isn't it? Because I think that perspective, it's quite new. It's quite new that we've made this connection. Firstly, that, you know, mental health is an issue that we need to deal with and is a physical issue that can manifest itself in so many ways. And secondly, that gut health is so connected to mental yeah. health. Um, yeah. There's new research around about it and I think, you know, 20, 30, 50 years ago, it just wasn't a thing. Nobody knew about it. No. Um, we used to think that mental health issues were a biochemical um, imbalance in our brain, but there's, that, there's never been any research to validate that and now we know that's pretty much not true. And so, yeah, now we're, we've discovered this connection between the gut and the brain wow. that is incredible and the gut and everything else as well, but yeah. yes. Well, it yeah. kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Uh, and it brings mm. a, a different, you know, a new meaning to that term, you are what you eat. Yeah. Because you, yeah. you feed your body and you fuel your body with whatever you put into it. Of course it's going to have effects on your body physically but also your brain. I mean, you know, you feed a yeah. machine um, yeah. if you – pour water into a petrol-powered car, it's not going to operate very well. Um, exactly. So, yeah, it kind of makes a lot of sense. That's yeah. incredible. It sounds like you, you, you're really enjoying this new passion in your life and, you know, really getting into Oh, I am. Into, I, I love it. Yeah. I, I saw your it. list of accreditations on your website. Oh, my God. It's like you've studied oh, everything you could possibly study on this topic. I'm always learning. But it's part, for me, that's part of my joy is the learning for, for it. And then – then um, being able to apply that and use that with my clients. Um, yeah, so I love the learning. That's why I do it. That's wonderful. And I think, yeah, your clients will only ever benefit from that because the more you know them, the more they're exposed to. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Well, let's talk about Gunfire Lullabies because I loved that book. I am a reader. You can ask Jody. you can ask anyone who knows me, and I love paper books. So when, mm, um, mm. you know, I was sent your book and I just love unwrapping books in, in the mail. I get so excited. Kindle doesn't do it for me. I just love <laughs> actual books. So you recently published your book, Gunfire Lullabies, which is just an incredible story. It's about two women during the East Timorese independence struggle. You've stated that the story is fiction, but that it's largely based on your own experiences and what you witnessed firsthand while you were there. I'm not going to go into the details of the story. I think everybody needs to read this book. But I do have to say I loved the, the underlying themes of humanity and moral conflict in the book. I thought it was so fascinating. Um, mm. And I read this really great review by J. Ramos Horta, who was the president of Timor-Leste about 10, 15 years ago, where he says, each of us has a choice to make, whether to fulfill our contractual duty or our higher moral one, the dictates of the state versus those of the soul. So... Mm. Your main characters in the book face these struggles throughout and I think this brings up an issue that many people are faced with in their life, right? Whether to do what's right or to do what's easy or expected of you or, you know, what you're ordered to do. Um, I mean, it's easy, and I use that term very loosely, to follow mm. orders and, and to use a sense of duty to justify pushing your morality and humanity to the side. Um, but obviously it's not what's right. Uh, and I can imagine just like your characters, there were times during your post in Jakarta where you may have experienced this internal struggle yourself. You know, that choice of doing what's right over doing what's easy or expected or what you've been told to do. So at times like this, what is going on in your mind and in your heart to help you make these difficult decisions? And what impact did these challenging situations have on your confidence? Yeah, um, 
big question. I know, um, sorry. Yeah, that, yeah, that's all right. No, the Nuremberg defence, I mean, you know, um, mm. we all have to do it to some extent to, to survive professionally because, you know, there's the needs of the organisational business and there's your own needs and then there's other people in there and, and competition and, and, you know, all those sorts of things that happen so we can never, ever be, you know, 100% true to ourselves yeah. um, unless we you know, run our own business or something perhaps. And even then um, you're influenced by external factors, aren't you? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So there's, there's, that's an ideal to be, you know, fully uh, following your values but, you know, there comes a line I think um, and if you cross that line it can be and, and not follow your values or your morals, your ethics, your beliefs and it can become very corrosive. Um, yeah. And that can accumulate, I think, to be quite destructive on, on you as a person. So where is that line? I guess it's different for each one of us. For me, working on a job like that where the government line was quite different, the Australian government line was quite different to what was actually hanging, happening on the ground. Yeah. I mean, the character in the book, she has problems because she she's told to report more positively and yet there's all this violence and intimidation happening in East Timor to uh, try and get the, the people to vote to, to remain a part of Indonesia rather than choose her independence, which yeah. they've been pursuing for 23, 24 years. So for me personally, at that time, I believed in the old public service tenet of giving frank and free advice to the government so that they knew the actual situation and then yeah. they could make informed decisions. If if you're telling someone, anyone, what they want to hear but the story is different, then they're not going to make informed decisions. So no, right. that, that was what I decided to do. But in terms of how it affected my confidence, it did kind of set me apart a bit because I wasn't perhaps the conforming kind of diplomat public servants and diplomats are basically pretty conservative I think yeah. so I wasn't necessarily conforming to that so it did make me stand apart a bit. Just adds another level of complexity to your work doesn't yeah. it because I'm sure it would be complex just as it is to sort of manage all these emotions and the, you know these political agendas and all these things going on and then to have to then be dealing with your own personal struggle just adds another yeah. level to that. Yeah but I'm very driven by justice and and truth, you know, truth, what is truth? Everyone's truth is different. Yeah. But always trying to be open and to listening to all sides of, of stories. But That's the closest you'll get to truth, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like you said, every, everyone's version of the truth is very different. And and the truth, the real truth is somewhere in the middle, but we're never really going to attain it because there's no. so much perspective involved and everyone sees everything through their own lens. So. You know, Absolutely. I could be adamant about my truth and it may be nowhere near your truth. And someone yeah. on the outside just, yeah, it's very hard to decide which is which. Well, I had to put that aside to a large extent because, you know, I was reporting different views. So I would speak to a general one day and a, a gorilla the next. So, and I would always try and be authentic and report those views as they were presented to me. And that was my job to do that, was to, to get all sides of the story. But then, you know, sometimes you would have to make assessments as well about what was happening. And the, as I said, the intimidation and violence on the ground was not matching with the, the story that the Australian government was talking about publicly yeah. in, in press conferences or actually a lot of it was just said in parliament wasn't set out out in the public because 
a parliamentary privilege which protected those ministers and the prime minister. So that was very interesting when you look back, certain things were never said outside of parliament. Yeah, and then <laughs> add to that the um, the influence of the media, right, because the media will then drive its own story forward. Yes, um, yes. So, yes, yeah, so many different versions of the truth. Yeah. Um, so kind of somewhat related to this um, is the topic of fear. So in all of our Rise Women programs and basically everything that we do, the topic of fear comes up over and over again. And we're not just talking about physical fear, like threats, but also social fear. Um, and we all know that fear can manifest itself in so many different ways. We can feel fear about our personal safety or our well-being, but we can experience these social fears that can paralyze us within our community or within the workplace, like you were saying earlier about you know, having having to choose and, and it could be your job on the line or you may have to make a decision that could ruffle a few feathers. Um, so throughout your work as a diplomat, especially in Jakarta, I'm sure there were times where you felt immense amounts of fear, both with regards to your personal safety, but also in relation to your social status or your job security in the workplace. So what did you do to overcome these fears when they arose? And do you have any tips for our listeners on techniques that you believe can be used for any type of fear in your life? Yeah, as far as what I experienced in Indonesia and East Timor, there were a couple of times when I did feel very under threat and I, I thought that I might die. Yeah, It only lasted, you know, 15, 30 seconds. One was when Jakarta was being enveloped in a wall of fire and my family were there as well. Wow. So that was a horrendous realisation yeah. and my stomach just dropped. Uh, and I got I goosebumps so, just hearing that. Like that must yeah. be terrifying. It wasn't so much – I wasn't so much scared for myself but it was just the realisation that the whole of Jakarta could burn and my family were there, I think. Yeah. The other time was in East Timor when we were surrounded in my militia had guns going off and I thought I could actually die here. And But in the end, it, it might sound a little fatalistic but I just thought, well, what can I do? I'd, I'd done everything that I could do and if it was going to happen, it was going to happen. Yeah. You know, things can be pretty random in those situations. What an incredible realisation to have to have that there is nothing more I can do. Yeah, I saw a student next to me be shot and why that one and not the next one, you know, um, oh and God. why not me? Yeah. yeah. So in the end I just thought, well, you know, I, I can be consumed like this or move on and I just had to trust. So I think I think trust is the thing that needs to get you through every kind of fear, whether it's social or any kind of fear that you experience. So it, when you feel scared, you know, I really ask myself what is it that I am scared of now? And that, that situation I was scared of for my family, scared of for my own safety. Yeah. But in a social situation, it might be exclusion or at work, it might be not a promotion or not fitting in or all those sorts of things. Yeah. But in the end, it's about being an honourable person to yourself and forgetting about the expectations, everything that is outside you, because I think we can get so carried away with that, especially with social media and everything these yeah, days. Absolutely. And forgetting all we can't of that. control, right? Absolutely. We can't change that. We can try. We can try, but it doesn't work because it doesn't come a, from an authentic place. So I think really just sort of it almost pushing that all that stuff away from you and just remembering who you are and yeah. coming from that place. And that takes time to develop that kind of confidence, I think. And I, I'm so glad to see some of the young women coming up more confident. Yeah. On the other hand, you know, you see these young confident girls and then when they go into their teens, it all kinds of cha changes and sometimes we need to grow that confidence back. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, 
I'm hoping it's a different environment now. I think um, on that topic, I think girls are exposed to just information, techniques, methodologies, different perspectives that maybe we never got as children. Because I know that I have a 14-year-old daughter and the, the topics that I'm able to talk to her about, things like this, about, you know, growth mindset and and this trust in yourself because we actually say, you know, Jody and I, that that's what confidence is. It's this belief in yourself that you can handle anything that comes your way um, and, and trusting in who you are, you know, that I am yeah. a, a smart woman, I'm a strong woman. Uh, sometimes I'm scared, yes, and sometimes I don't know what I'm doing, yes, but I can figure yeah. this out. There's that trust in yourself. Um, and and yeah. Young girls these days, maybe because we've learnt more about it, we're able to pass that on to our daughters. And I think it's a really beautiful thing because I see a confidence in my 14-year-old that I never had at that age. Yeah. Um, That's so wonderful. Yeah, I think so too. I think it's just brilliant. But you're right, social media can grab hold of some of these girls and it it can destroy their confidence at the same time. Um, Yeah. It's a fine line and a very delicate balance. Yeah, and it's it's about the superficial, isn't it? Yeah. In terms of techniques, if you're feeling stressed or fearful, mm-hmm. breathing is the key. Breathing so that you exhale as long as in, than you inhale. And I've always had that from the yoga that I've always done. Right. And I think that's really helped me in all sorts of funny situations. I haven't even realised that I've been doing that. So if you breathe so that your exhale is longer than your inhale, slow down your breathing, then you cannot be in a fight-and-flight state. Your nervous system will, will over a number of breaths, go into rest and digest. And that's when you can start to think and be who, who you really are yeah. rather than being driven by fear as well. And, and just process things differently. Um, like mm. that's when I guess your prefrontal cortex would kick into gear and go, right, we have a decision to make now and we're thinking clearly enough to be able to make it. Absolutely. Um, I find that fascinating because I've heard, like it's just such a simple technique, right? It's like breathe. And it just yeah. sounds so simplistic because it's something that we just do non-consciously. We just, you know, yeah. we're always breathing. I, I found so many different, you know, like some go you breathe in for four seconds, you hold for six seconds, you breathe out for eight or whatever. Which one do you use? Look, the main thing I tell people is exhale is longer than the inhale. If you're going to start, just start off, you know, with shorter inhales, holding for a second and then exhaling for a longer amount of time, whatever that is, and holding that exhale perhaps. So it becomes that kind of square breathing. Right. But, you know, I don't want to complicate things sometimes yeah. for people if, they, if they're not used to doing that. Because it does sound kind of counterintuitive, doesn't it? It's like I've only yeah. taken in a finite amount of breath. Don't make me blow it all out. Yeah, <laughs> and, and you like, can't get stressed about it. Yeah, 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 because the thought of, work. for me, breathing out more than I'm breathing in, I'm like, no, no, I need that oxygen in my body. I don't want to get rid of it. But it makes sense. Well, you sense. slow the exhale down too, you see. You constrict your throats very slightly, yeah. which is not difficult to do, and then you just slow it down. So that's that's the technique for doing that. So it's no less oxygen in or out. It's the same amount. It's right. just the rate at which you're expelling it. Okay, that makes more sense in my brain mm. and I will try that next time mm. <laughs> um, because, yeah, like I said, it's just such a simplistic technique, breathe, um, but yeah. it's so impactful. Yeah. Well, if you if you think if you're really stressed, um, say you've got some bad news about a family member or friend or something yeah. and, you, and you just can't think what to do, that's because you're not breathing. Um, because you're in this panic mode, so the way to get out of it is is to use one way to get out of it is to use the breath. That is brilliant. 
thank you. I think many people will find that uh, very useful because we're all in that state all the time. I yeah. don't know anyone who hasn't been in that state, you know, yeah. almost on a weekly yeah. basis. All right, so with everything that you've experienced in life, and I'm sure there have been many times like all of us, um, your confidence fluctuates, right? It's never always static and, and there's some things that we're so confident about and then other things that we just lose all our confidence in, you know, where you feel that you've lacked self-belief or motivation and and I find this all the time in my life there are some areas of my life where I'm like I've totally got this and then other times where I'm like I have no idea what I'm doing and and I like to identify as a confident woman but there are times where my confidence just goes Uh, but I've got techniques that help me rebuild my confidence when I need to and I'm sure you've developed your own specific techniques to help you work through those times so as this is the secrets of confident women podcast tell us one of your secrets when it comes to rebuilding your confidence so what is something that you do that you know helps keep your confidence levels high I think I think it's that very simple thing of action of doing despite your fear yeah you know feeling the fear and doing it anyway Incredible. Uh, which is that old book and pushing aside those negative voices or that you know the doubting voices because um, yeah. I, I really think yeah confidence is a state of mind and sometimes when you're talking I was thinking sometimes we think we've got this but then something comes along and shakes your confidence even Absolutely. when you think you've got it yeah so being vulnerable and open to learning I think is, is important too and you know not being confident at the point of living in the ego either which is a temptation in a sometimes yeah. superficial world yeah yeah, yeah, and there's no substance behind that, is there? No. Yeah. But underneath, I think, doing just continuing to do the work, the self-examination, and for me, you know, I've, I've done a lot of work about, on myself over the years and getting rid of those subconscious beliefs that I was talking about before, you know, f- yeah. focusing on the positive, but without, you know, just focusing on gratitude, but you, you've got to work out the negative stuff and acknowledge it and work through it as well yeah, um, before you can replace those kind of um, perhaps fearful beliefs or lack of self-belief in yourself. Yeah, yeah. I think if you don't address them, they don't go away. You think that right. they're gone and you think you don't have to deal with them, but they linger and they, they fester and they grow and before you know it, they start to dictate the type of person that you become and sometimes they can change you into someone that you don't want to be. I think that's very, very true, yeah. Yeah, and I think there's so much value in knowing that. I mean, it's harder to put it into action. It's easy to say it. But I think the first step is that awareness. Um, And I love what you said before about, you know, feeling the fear and doing it anyway. That's everything that we say is about action. Um, And there's this line that we have in all of our programs and everything, which is that action is the only thing that makes everything happen because – you can say you're going to do a thousand things, you can write plans, you can talk about it, you can have, you know, a strategy in your head, you can be confident about it, but unless you actually do something, you will never move forward. Um, yeah. And even if the outcome isn't, it's not about the outcome, it shouldn't be outcome driven because even if what you end up with is not what you expected, the fact that you actually took action, that that moment itself is confidence boosting. Yeah. And just knowing knowing why you're doing that, I think that's so true, that what you might once have considered failure is actually learning and it's going to take you ahead, perhaps in another direction, perhaps in the same direction, but it's, you're still moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. And, and there's that momentum. Even if you yeah. take steps and you perceive the outcome as a failure, um, yeah. you know, we, we say this all the time, you never really know what the alternative outcome would have been. 
No. So unless you learn from every experience, it's really a waste of time, which is a shame because you could, you know, have A or B to choose from and you choose B, doesn't turn out the way you want it. So you go, right, I failed, A would have been better, but you don't know that A would have been better. Absolutely. Right? <laughs> so you learn what happened from B and you try not to repeat that mistake again. Yeah. Or sometimes B actually turns out to be the better thing in the long run because it's you've learned lessons C, D and E and actually it's put you in the direction where you, where you realise it's much more satisfying or fulfilling or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Because, yeah, sometimes we don't know. You don't know what you don't know. So we don't know that that's where we're meant to be. But eventually yeah. you come around. Yeah. It's so that true. trust again, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. trusting yeah. in the process, trusting in yourself, trusting in um, your ability to be able to learn and grow because if you yeah. stop uh, wanting to learn and grow, then that's it. You might as well just sit in a corner and wait. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I agree. Otherwise. Every time I get a bit lazy on this stuff, I find myself feeling a bit dissatisfied and restless and I know there's something else I need to work on. Yeah, so, yeah. there's yes. something else. There's something missing. There's like a little hole somewhere that I need to plug with something new. It's a process it's, and it's never ending, isn't it? No, and thank God for that because mm. you don't want it to be ending. Like I can't imagine a time in my life where I'll ever get to a point where I just go, right, okay, I'm done. I, I've learnt enough. I've done enough. I've experienced enough. I've, I've got enough. Um, yeah. I, I want to be learning and growing and developing till the day I am done. Yeah, it would be awfully boring without that, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? Yeah, right? it really would. Yeah, because we, we don't know you know, what our last day is and I don't want to put a, a timeline on my personal growth because I think there's always yeah. something to learn regardless of your age, um, your experience levels, you know, the people that are around you, where you're living, your loved ones, there's always something new to learn and, yeah. and I think it's exciting to know that your future is full of a lot of growth. You know, some, sometimes that can sound a bit like platitudes, but, you know, I've had friends who have been in really pretty dire situations and and similar to myself and at the time you think you're in hell, but even trusting yourself that you're going to get through that even if it's moment to moment, yeah. even those moments later on you can look back and go, wow, that completely changed me or my direction and I got A, B and C out of it even though, you know, it might have been really tough at the time. So, yeah, yeah. it's, you know, those things are I – don't, I don't sort of say those things lightly like you either. Yeah, no, I think it's it's crucial. I was actually having this conversation with someone the other day that it's all part of the journey, right, and sometimes the journey is really crappy and you don't want to be there. But in order to yep. come out the other side, as a whole person and as yourself, you need to go through it. And I actually mentioned this to someone the other day and said, I used to read this book as a kid and also to my children called We're Going on a Bear Hunt. Do you remember that book? Right. And there's this line in it that says, you can't go over it, you can't go under it, you have to go through it. And sometimes it's the only way to come out the other side. You've just got to go through uh, it. Yeah, yeah, Own all yeah. the emotions, you know, sit in them as long as you have to. If you're upset, be upset. If you're angry, be angry. If you're excited, be excited really immerse yourself in that experience because unless you do, you're never fully going to address it and, and you'll move on without living that moment and taking that learning. Yeah. Um, yep. So I think, yeah, whatever that experience is, just be in it and then move through it. Yeah. And I think understanding that sometimes you've created that situation, some sometimes you haven't, but sometimes you played some kind of a role in it or there's something that you need to learn yeah. from how you're you're dealing with it or at, at the very least, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 
So tell me what's next for you. Tell us about a dream that you haven't achieved yet or what's the next goal that you plan on going after? I want to write a couple more books um, and I'm, I'm very busy. <laughs> so, so yeah, I've just been moving house and renovating, doing all that sort of stuff. And so now I really want to get down soon to back to writing. But working out how I, how I do that with everything else, um, it's going to take a whole lot of discipline. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And just you just got to fit it into your day like a meeting, don't you? This hour I'm going to write, no one get in my yeah. way. It's just that action, isn't it? It's just yeah, yeah. like no excuses because it used to take me a long time when I was trying to write this book, the first draft full time. Yeah. It would take me to about 2 o'clock on Mondays to get my head in the right space. Yeah. And then it would be good, but every time I take a break, it would take me a while to get in. But you know, I can't afford. I don't have the time to do that now, so I'm just going to have to, you know, actually just sit down and go. Right, I've got two hours. That's it. I'm going to write. <laughs> well, you're a different woman now. You're a published author. You've already got your first book, so you know how it works. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Yeah, and sometimes you just need that. It, it is that discipline and just that. This is all the time I have, so I need to make the most of it. And it's about yeah. getting your head in that in that space. I'm excited. I can't wait to read your next book. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so it's time for the Rise Women final power questions. Everyone gets these short, quick answers. We love at the end of the year what we do is we get all of our interviewees and we put all their responses together and we have this amazing compilation of these really, really great replies. So I'm going to hit you with one, two, three, what is it? Six questions. Are you ready? Yep. Wonderful. What do you wish that every woman knew? To always be yourself. Nice. What is your superpower? Words. Oh, I like that. All right, this is a question that we have to give everyone because we have a shoe thing happening. Heels or flats? <laughs> heels, but in reality, flats. <laughs> <laughs> That's my life now because I'm a heels girl, but I find myself more and more in sneakers and it's killing me. <laughs> What's <laughs> your favourite? Yeah. Your favourite quote or rule you live by? Break my heart so that I may love again. Wow. I haven't heard that one before. I love that. It's Uh, a Sufi saying. That's great. Uh, Who inspires you and why? I think the young women who are talking unashamedly about sexual abuse, um, I find very inspiring at the moment um, and going through courts and and not uh, caving to the kind of um, pressures that are being sort of hoisted down on them. Yeah, yeah, I find them incredibly inspiring. Yeah, absolutely. Having to relive that nightmare over and over again. Yeah. Um, but doing it for the benefit of others as well. Yeah. Amazing. Not okay. being silenced. No, no, exactly. And that takes a lot of strength and so much courage. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, finish this sentence. If I had even more confidence than I do now, I would be doing exactly what I'm doing I think oh I love that that's fantastic because most people have something that they feel like you know a bit more confidence would get them somewhere else but I love that you're at a place where more confidence would just make you do more of what you're doing now Mm. incredible well there you have it everyone what an incredible conversation with so many amazing insights Nor Hogstad thank you so much for agreeing to be on the Secrets of Confident Women podcast Thank you, Anastasia. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. I've loved it. Wonderful. And a big thank you, as always, to all of our listeners. We love bringing you new interviews and new tips, tricks and techniques through this podcast. So please remember to like, share and subscribe so that we can help 
keep helping all women make confidence their new normal. Because remember, with confidence, anything is possible. Bye for now. Bye for now.